Everybody. Yeah. Rock your body. Yeah. Everybody. Rock your body right. Okay, so let's suck. That so was bad. bad. That was, I think we can cut that. Terrible. Oh my god. Let's cut that. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the CCJT Amateur Hour. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you poor people. Uh, what are we doing today? Uh, well, first of all, introduction as always for to the adventure. Uh, CC way over there, and JT way over here. Uh, today's personalities we're using, we're not sure. No, no not, idea. We don't know which personalities we're using We don't know who today. we are. But what, the ones that we use the most on these podcasts are two semi-writers, semi-successful writers, our brain. Right. Aye. And uh, what we try to do is we get together every week and we get to, and we sit across the dining room table, literally. Mm-hmm. We pop up a couple of microphones and we talk about whatever it is. Usually it's about writing. We do the writing thing because um, it's something that we have in common. It's something to talk about all the time. And also we want to share our experience as much as we possibly You know, those who can do, those who can't teach, or those who can't <laughs> podcast. So we're podcasting instead of being successful writers. Well, I don't know. There are different levels of success. It's I think success is what you make it. Yeah, to me, success is just getting the, the endeavor done, getting, yes. the darn, getting the darn book done, which is really, really, really a challenge. Over on my podcast, excuse me, over on my Patreon, I should say, I just finished a series on what the elements of a book are, the eight various elements. And if you're going to ask me to name those eight elements off the top of my head, you, you're, you guys need more coffee. <laughs> it's not going to happen. We need more coffee. We need more coffee. But I did finish that podcast, those podcasts. They are for out at patreon.com forward slash dehume. And as I was going through that po- those podcasts, and there's like four of them to talk about the eight elements, it was really, it struck me that writing is not for wimps. Right, writing is not for somebody who talks about writing. Because I think probably everybody has said it. Now I'm generalizing with a wide, wide, wide paintbrush here. But probably everybody has said, boy, I, I, could, I could write a book better than that. Or I could write a book. Or I could, you know, I could do something like a book. Like I could do a move, write a movie better than this crap I just watched. And you know something? Going from A to Z, going from the alpha to the omega, going from the beginning to the end of... And I think that's what really pushes people down is when they start to realize the hard, the, how hard it is to write. And that's probably going to be a subject for one of my Patreon podcasts. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about the thing that probably gets in the way the most when people say they're going to write a book and that's grammar oh grammar is a good subject because yeah. grammar the thing is with grammar grammar can be a part of your characterization so it's another one of those situations where you need to understand the rules in order to break the rules uh, if you're oh. just using poor grammar that's one thing if it's part of your characterization it's something completely different and we've talked about that frequently. You need to know the rule, break the rule. And when you get to the Grisham, King, you know, kind of level of writing a book, you can break those rules however you want because you are those people. But grammar serves as a basic foundation, which I think people sometimes not understand. Uh, because well, We need, probably need to back all the way up here and talk about English in general because the United States, for better or for worse, has a common tongue. It's not multilingual. At, well, let me rephrase this. It at one time was looked down. I want. I don't want to say that either. Let's just say that to be multilingual in America is unique. Now, of course, for some cultures that live in America, it's common. 
people speak one language at home and go to school and they speak English there. And a lot of kids that way are fluent that way. But for a lot of Americans who bluntly look like us, a second language is unique. And so, and the reason for that, of course, is we can thank Daniel Webster and folks like those who, you know, wrote it down 200 years ago, created a dictionary and created basically a roadmap for how Americans were going to speak. And ever since then, uh, it's been refined. Now, I've heard that American English and British English are similar, except, you know, they share a common language. That's the old cliche, you know, Brits and Americans speak to have speak a similar language, except they don't. Um, and we also, th there's also the other thing that's helping is one of my professors told me that uh, since the time of Shakespeare, the English language has changed, but it hasn't changed a great deal. And it's really not hard to do a great leap. So if we take that time of the 1600s from Shakespeare to the 20, uh, 2000s, that is now, we're talking about you know, four, five, years. 600 years of yep. language modification and refinement. And that refinement is done through grammar. Yes. And the... Knowing different languages is interesting because, or studying different languages is because it's not just word usage, but it's also syntax. The way you put the words together in a sentence may be counterintuitive to what we've learned growing up. So in certain languages, you know, the subject verb type of situation reversed. Mm -hmm. And understanding that for multiple languages, I think actually helps someone to understand English grammar better because I feel like I started learning English grammar better after I took Spanish classes because then I was like oh wait they do it this way but we do it this way and the reason we do it this way is because and then you think about things like diagramming sentences which used to be a big deal in school and apparently really isn't done much anymore so it's like you know subject verb uh, subject predicate all this type of thing and our, the bane of our existence, really, adjectives and adverbs, where they're modifying a verb and they're greatly reducing the effect of the, the word that you're using. So there's a lot involved when you're talking about grammar. And we need to thank, you know, we need to give a shout out or thank. I'm not sure if thank is actually the right word. But the person that we probably need to talk about, our current version of grammar, is Ernest Hemingway, who made it popular to write in short sentences. because. Yes. About the same time, there was this gentleman professor over at Oxford named, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, who was, you know, really, really writing long sentences to describe fireplaces. He was verbose. Yeah, it was like, so he was writing all these these long sentences, and then Ernest Hemingway, and it wasn't just J.R.R. Tolkien, of course, it was, that was the motive, and then, and even... Uh, during that time in in the media, in newspapers, long sentences were, were generally the vogue to describe things. And then here comes Ernest Hemingway and folks of his era. And I'm not saying it was just Ernest Hemingway. Of course, I'm sure there was others. But uh, that's who comes to my mind when I think of precise, scalpel-sharp writing. I think of Ernest Hemingway, think of that era, which basically chopped everything out and said, and took out the adverbs and the adjectives and said, hey, here's a big fish. Man's going after it. He's going to get it. And it's going to be a long, hard day for this guy. So it just occurred to me, we have Moby Dick. Yeah. And then we have the old man in the sea. Yeah. There could be a correlation between those, couldn't there? Oh, I'm sure there's probably English majors <laughs> somewhere that have written their master's thesis on the two books, comparing them side by side. Right. You know, call, call me the Ishmael, Ishmael versus, you know, the... The old man who says, oh, come on, fish, die. Right? <laughs> but there is definitely a common 
theme in those two books, only they're written very differently. Very Moby Dick is Moby Dick is a huge volume, mm -hmm. whereas The Old Man in the Sea is a little tiny book. And they both deal with obsession in their own way, whereas The Old Man wants to wants to eat, and Captain Ahab, of course, has this obsession with a great white whale. And we, but we also have to remember too that you know the the two writers. Um, oh God, I just blanked on Moby Dick's writer. Herman Melville. Yes. Herman Melville and Ernest Hemingway also had two different missions in mind because Herman Melville wanted to capture the the, the whale the whale hunting the uh, aspect of life mm -hmm. at the time, which was fascinating in its own way. Horribly fascinating because I'm anti whale hunt. And then you have the you know, the old man in the sea where he uh, he's just trying to s survive and he survives through fishing. And it's it's an obsession. He wants to he wants to basically catch fish to live, mm -hmm. whereas Ahab wants to get revenge for. And it's both both fishes. You know, I know whales aren't fish. I'm just saying it. Both fish serve as you know metaphors for the the respective main characters' lives. So, and but the use of grammar in each of those books, Melville is much more expansive. He is mm -hmm. descriptive. He talks about the life on the ship, the life of the characters, uh, Ishmael. You know, and his perception of Ahab's insanity, because that's what it is is an insanity where almost everybody dies, including Ahab, in the search for Versus you have the old man's obsession, and that's basically get the fish, get the fish ashore. Right. So it's it's different, and I. Um, but I want to try to work our way back to the grammar thing mm -hmm. because they both use grammar in their own appropriate era, in their own appropriate time. Although you could say Ernest, of course, you know, broke the mold gladly because honestly, long sentences bore me. <laughs> and that is. Reader preference plays into that too. Some people love reading Tolkien because there is so much depth and there is so much description and you really get a sense of what Middle Earth is like and what Mordor is like. You know, it's there is an appropriate place and time to use that much flowery language to expand on what you're writing. But there's also a place for, hey, I just want to read a quick book. This is a great book. There's not quite as much language. I don't have the attention span to read Tolkien right now. So, hey, maybe I'll pick up a Hemingway and enjoy his story. And it's just as enjoyable, but in a way. Yeah, and I think we've sort of got to, got to have gotten away from what I wanted to illustrate in this podcast. And that's my fault. But we did wanted to first pull out examples of, you know, flowery, as you use, flowery grammar versus precise grammar. Yes, and the, what I think that really challenges would-be writers is using words. Appropriately. putting words in one after the other. They know what they want to say. They, they know what they want to say. They know what, how they want to say it. They know what they want to say. And they know how, how they... No, that's the problem is, is they don't know how they want to say it. Because it is difficult. To, writing is hard. It is. Writing it's very is hard. hard. Unless you do it a lot. And for, for, you know, would-be writers who say, you know, well, I could write you know, the book of the century and things like that. And then saying, well, asking them, well, how much writing have you done? Have you sat down and actually write? And you hear the, the hymns and the haws and mm -hmm. the things like that. It's because they realize that it's, you know, it's, well, if, they, if someone were to ask me, well, if I, you know, if I've ever t tuned up a car, I know how to tune up a car, you know, fr from the process of thing like that. But watch my hands shake when I start to pop the hood. I'm saying it and mm -hmm. doing it are things. Writing, no problem. You and I can write, sit down and write. And oh, yeah. Job, boom, done. But, you know, tuning a car, you know, <laughs> technically I know how to do it. Realistically, yeah. 
And the reason that you your hands shake if you open the hood of a car is that you're afraid you're going to do something wrong and the car won't run. And basically, it's the same thing with a would-be writer is they sit down and they think that whatever they write is going to be terrible, so why bother? And, and that they can't cool. figure it out. And it all comes back to grammar. Because once actually, and that's, that's what I found for myself, once I licked the grammar beast, once I licked the grammar beast, and I'll be honest with you folks, you, if you talk to my editors, they'll tell you I never have, but I pretend. But once I licked the grammar beast and I could, I could seamlessly transfer ideas to words, it, uh, uh, the grammar thing didn't bother me as much. Now, I say that, then I remember in this latest manuscript, uh, yeah, I, when I did a word count, I, I used the word that. 450 times. I'm not kidding. 450 times out of a 55,000 word manuscript. So I'm here shaking my head. Oh my God. So I say on one hand that I've got the grammar thing licked, but on the other hand, 450 times I use the word that. But see, you still know grammar and you still use appropriate grammar. I mean, the fact that we are speaking the way we are shows that we know the the basics of grammar because we are speaking in an understandable way to most people i would think so you know grammar those are those little ticks that it's you know yes it is grammatical but it's not necessarily because you don't know grammar it's just because you're writing along and then you're not thinking about the details and that's the way you should write you shouldn't be thinking about it because it becomes paralyzing you have the paralysis through over analysis problem yeah and writing should be stream of consciousness yes but gaining that stream first of, drafts at least at least first drafts yeah and then you do the editing and then you come up with 450 times but use. that's why you edit and proofread so um so yeah but and that is that is probably the I don't want to say hallmark, but that is probably the trademark, maybe, of a writer. Not necessarily a good writer, because even though, even if you do have the grammar thing licked, you can still write bad books. Yes. But once you have that stream of consciousness, and I'm sorry, myself here, once you have that stream of consciousness thing figured out, and you're not picking up on those ticks, but you do, you do know that your sentences are structured correctly, in order. And that the mental thoughts that your ideas are coming out and they're coming out in a reasonably organized manner, then you've, you've kind of, you know, I don't want to say you've, you've beaten the, the grammar beast because that's what editing is for. But it's no longer that brick wall that you can't figure out how to either get through or get around or get over. And that's getting to that point is, is, is struggle. And, I, and we have a couple of ideas here and CC has actually mentioned one of them and that's just keep writing, keep yes. writing. And then... You know, education helps too, because if you don't feel comfortable with your grammatical skills, you can take a class, you know, go back and take another English class, just refresh those skills. Because in business writing, for example, you may not use the same um, rules that you're using in freelance or in novel writing. And there are variations to the rules that you need to know and you need to have them at the forefront of your mind when you're trying to write. So refreshing those grammatical skills can be very good. Yep. And uh, the other hint that we have, you know, one of two couple more hints that we have is, is of course, always read out loud what you're writing. And that's really helpful because when your ears hear it, it's different than your eyes see it. Your ears are hear it because what you're doing then is you're engaging a different part of your brain, a different part of comprehension. So reading what you write is a great tool 
it for beginning beginning writers to to get over that grammar hump because you start to it, when you start to read what you write and you hear the way the sentences are structured you'll become to realize that you don't talk that way in real life no you don't even you don't write that way in real life so why should you write that way in real you write that way in your book because you don't do that when you the way that and so listening to what you Listening to what you wrote is a big help because, again, you're engaging another part of your brain, and you're 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 you'll be able to think out loud. Hey, something's not right here. It becomes intuitive because you can feel that something is off. Yeah. And by speaking it out loud, maybe that will give you some idea that uh, you know of what part of the pro what your part of the problem it problem is. Yep. And then the last hint that I have, and last that may, may be helpful, is TV. Watch a movie because they use good grammar and dialogue all the time. Because they have a relatively short period of time to get a message across, so they structure their language, they structure their sentences in a way that gets that keeps the plot moving, and they do it. And the sentences are, you know, what it is is you have a team of people constructing those sentences. It's not just. It's a whole bunch of people, including the speaker, who are putting together the parts of those sentences. And they're doing that because and they, nobody speaks in a movie or a TV show without the purpose of moving the plot forward. It's just not, you know, they're not just going to, you know, sit by, the, sit by the side of a lake and go, oh, what a beautiful day. No, that's not what they're doing there. They'll say something like, mm, I think the weather is changing. That's generally foreshadowing, but they're doing that to move the plot forward. So... Listen, really listen to the way the sentences are structured in professional dialogue. Pick up a, pick a movie or a television show which you think is technically competent that way, not necessarily the best. I, you know, I wouldn't recommend starting off with Shakespeare because you know that's you know you're talking about the major leagues there. You're talking about the show. Well, and that is as you pointed out, original Shakespeare is from a different era. So it wouldn't really be helpful to a modern writer to try to emulate that because it's a little old-fashioned. But still, the uh, you know dialogue in a movie or a TV show exists to move the plot forward. So listen to how those sentences are structured. Put on closed captioning, pause it every once in a while, capture the sentence and see how where the action is generally at the beginning of the sentence and you know everything after the beginning of the sentence is there to support the action that's in the beginning of the sentence and you know practice that and then uh the last hint of course is the one that we've said several times in this podcast is write every day write 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 every day write every day because then you start to and look for your weak excuse me look for your weaknesses see your weaknesses for what they are and then start to fix them because if you are writing you are in control of the keyboard. The keyboard is not in control of you. You are in command, so you can fix your own mistakes and learn from mistakes. Don't be thinking that the crap coming out of your hands is going to be the last version of anything. That's what it is. But don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to grow. Don't be afraid to be afraid to evolve. And if you don't feel like you have a good handle on grammar, don't let that stop you from writing. Don't let it be the stumbling block because even though, I mean, grammatical rules, there are so many of them and they change frequently, especially as time is moving on with technology and everything, grammatical rules are changing quite a bit. You can't know everything all the time. So don't let that be the thing that stops you. You can go back and fix your grammar. It doesn't have to be perfect. 
That's why you get other people who maybe spend more time just analyzing grammar and grammatical rules. And they have, that's their specialty. Your specialty should be writing the story. That's it in a nutshell. And uh, what CC is also hinting there is use editors. Use, use editors. editors use, proofreaders. people who are disinterested in you as a person. Yep. Get people who are exactly experts at grammar and what let they them do. do the heavy lifting. Get your story out there. Get it rocking and rolling. And... You mentioned the keyboard. That brings up another point. There are programs that will help you with your grammar. Be careful about relying on those because sometimes they may change a word where it shouldn't be changed. So they're using a different version of the word than what you intended. So don't rely too heavily on those tools. Make sure that you know you are portraying what you want to say in an appropriate way. You can use those grammar programs, but just don't rely too heavy, heavily on them. Don't let them be a crutch. That's right. You know, you are, again, you are in charge of your book. It is your world. It is your book. It is your words the way that you want to use them. Okay, so let's see if we can review with some of the ideas that we've, that we've helped here and so see if we can sum them all up. First of all, write every day. Yes. Write as much as you can. Don't be afraid. Uh, get uh, disinterested people to look at your writing. Don't let, let grammar be the brick wall that stops you from writing. Check out how other people write, especially in TVs and TV and movies. See how they structure sentences. See how they, uh, how they use sentences to move the plot forward. Listen to your writing. That, I think, is really helpful for the beginning writer. Listen to your writing and see what it sounds like and see if that's something that you would actually do in real life. And uh, there are programs out there that will help you with your grammar, but don't use them as a crutch because they are not you. You've got to be in charge of your writing. You've got to be in charge of, of what you've done. And, you know, when we talk about editors and proofreaders and things like that, they will make recommendations and you don't always have to listen to them. If you feel very strongly about how something is done, that you feel like even though maybe it's not grammatically correct, that is what you want to portray in that portion of your work, that is still up to you. You don't have to make all those changes. So, you know, it basically, it comes down to you in the end. So don't be afraid to stand up for yourself and say, hey, I know this isn't grammatically correct, but what, here's what I'm trying to do. You just have to understand what you're trying to do. And the last reminder, of course, is that the, grammars, the grammar rules exist because you, wanted to, you do want to provide a common foundation for that your readers can work from. And if you go outside the grammar rules too often, you risk pulling your readers out of your story. So when you become a multimillionaire writer, producer, director kind of person, uh, first of all, make sure that Cece and I get a slice because we, <laughs> we set you on the path. But when you do get to that point, then you can start you know, doing that, going outside the box. But remember that box exists not to hem you in, but it's to help your readers uh, stay in your story. And so they don't get knocked out of your story because you've broken an important rule, such as for an example... Uh, what would be a good example would be like if you were doing in a first person talk first person mode and you start talking about what the other person is thinking that will that will knock some people out of the out of the out of your book I know it would be so those kind of grammar rules exist for your safety to help you become successful and for readers to have a, a positive experience when they read your read your writing. And it's a common frame of reference. So hopefully they understand what you're trying to portray to them so that 
you know, no matter what part of the world you're in, if there are different cultural aspects that you're talking about, your writing, your grammar, the style and tone of your work should give them a, a means of understanding something that maybe they've not experienced. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. I think we've really, uh, I think we've really stretched this into as much as we can. What do you think? I think we've covered grammar pretty okay. solidly. Solidly. Solidly, grammatically. <laughs> uh, as we always say in this podcast, if you think we're full of crap, and that's always a possibility that, well, I'm full of crap. CC is, <laughs> CC is never full of crap. No, it's, those are our personal thoughts and experiences. It doesn't necessarily mean we're full of crap. Well, either way, uh, feel free to push back on us. Feel free to take advantage of our comments page and uh, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what your experiences are because we'd certainly be happy to hear it. And we may uh, make it part of a future podcast and expand on that. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to sound more like we know what we're doing. Ha, ha, ha. Good luck on that. Well, and it... From day to day, one day you may feel like you understand everything perfectly, and then the next day is like, well, I thought it was okay yesterday, but you know, today it's not coming quite so easily. Yeah, and that <laughs> happens on the days when I get my copy edits back from my editors, and I go, oh my God, did I actually do that? Right? I know. It's like the going back to the work writing, you send somebody an email that you think is perfect. You've cleaned it up, and you've got exactly what you wanted to say you hit click send and then you look at the draft that just went out and you went oh i forgot to say this or why did i put that in there yeah, yeah the editing is whack-a-mole and that's probably gonna yes. be that's an upcoming uh that's an upcoming podcast where we're gonna play whack-a-mole <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about there i guess i need to google, just google it people okay. <laughs> anything else we want to chat about um just hope everybody is doing well and enjoying the nice weather wherever you may be whether it's spring or fall or um, if you're celebrating easter today versus last week because today is the uh, orthodox celebration of easter or whatever other holiday you might be celebrating whether you're celebrating just a nice day we hope that you're having fun no matter where you are it's chore day at cc and jt house where we're going to be doing laundry and dishes and other exciting things but we hope that you're having an exciting time Time for the uh, commercial part of it. Time for the commercial part of our day. And if you can hear this podcast and other podcasts on our website at www.jthume. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to cut that. That one's funny because that used to be my old website. www.carsonhume.com <laughs> Um, and you can see some blog posts out there. And of course, I have my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash JT Hume, where I'm going to be putting my latest book about Tochi out there for y'all to read and enjoy, I hope. <laughs> okay, we're going to end this one because obviously the booze has hit our brain. Across from the table from me is CC. And across from me is JT. We hope that you're having a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you and take care of y'all. Take care.